1: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.
0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, September 25th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, find out which Mississippi agencies are cutting costs and which ones already need more funding. In our everyday tech segment, a consideration of the many roles technology plays in our everyday lives. And an annual event is aimed at letting veterans know where to get the help they need. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. State agencies are analyzing their budget requests for the upcoming fiscal year. Agency heads spent Thursday and Friday at the state capitol presenting their proposed budgets to Mississippi legislators on the state's Joint Legislative Budget Committee. Many cash-strapped agencies are making their case for more money. Yet two state agencies say they're reducing their budgets despite Mississippi's opioid epidemic and rising medical costs. The State Department of Mental Health says its reorganizing service to reduce expenses. Spokesperson Adam Moore says their budget request is the same amount they received last year after state budget cuts. He says they have federal dollars to fund drug abuse efforts. According to Mississippi's Division of Medicaid, 760,000 people receive services. Executive Director David Jellick appeared before the Legislative Budget Committee. He tells our Desiree Frazier the top four expenses.
1: Our budget request has been going down, which has reversed a trend that we've seen almost since I got here five and a half years ago. So that, I think, was um, the one thing that I really wanted to get across.
2: And looking at the match, can you explain how that benefits Mississippi?
1: We have a very favorable match rate. So um, all uh, Medicaid is a state and federal partnership. So the smallest match you can get is is 50-50, and it's dependent on the economic conditions in the state. For us, it's a 75-25 match, basically. So that means for every dollar we put up, we get three back from the federal government. So it makes the cost of the Medicaid program for us a lot less than state dollars
2: your overall operating budget is higher than what you request from the state, and you're able to have that money because of the federal match.
1: Right. So we are requesting, like, that nine, or last year we requested, uh, like, 966. So if we put all the match in there, that generates a budget of close to $6.1 billion.
2: Tell us a little bit about how many people use Medicaid and what it means to people in Mississippi.
1: Well, we have about one in four folks uh, in Mississippi that are Medicaid beneficiaries. And Medicaid pays for health services. So Medicaid pays for physician visits, for hospitals, for pharmacy. Uh, If you're in a a long-term care institution like a nursing home and you're eligible, it pays your nursing home costs. And uh, it also pays for things like uh, podiatry. Uh, it pays for eyeglasses. It pays for dental. So almost every healthcare service that you can think of, uh, Medicaid, you know, covers.
2: But so, there is a income guideline.
1: There, there are, and they're based on family size and and the level of poverty. So it, there's a a pretty good matrix that we use uh, in 2017. The federal poverty level was uh, twelve thousand and sixty dollars. So, if you were below twelve thousand and sixty dollars, then you know you would be eligible in a certain category. Or, but we also pay on the percentage. So, if, for example, uh, pregnant women uh, get covered at one hundred and ninety-four percent of the federal poverty level, and so does their child up until their age one. So, just to give you an example of what that is really uh if you're pregnant you're automatically considered a two person family so you go up to 194 and then down to so that's right about $31,500 for you know if you have to make below that to be eligible for your coverage during pregnancy and uh, of course and then your coverage for your baby up until they're 1 year of age so that's pretty close to the average income in Mississippi and that's why, you know, we cover about 65% of the births in, in the state.
2: And savings. Uh, Speaker Gunn said that the savings, which I think was around 200 and something million, was less than one-hundredth of a percent of your budget.
1: Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that – well, actually it was 123000 and some change. Oh. Uh, but one of the things that it's hard to, to – to, since the vast majority of our funds – go to pay providers, and we have no way to to not pay them. So it's hard for us to really come up with very significant savings in our, you know, administrative budget.
2: But you have some ideas and lists of things that you're going to forward to them.
1: Right. You know, we've been going through, we know that the budget is tight. So uh, last week or about a month ago, we sent out a, a memo saying, you know, no travel, everything's tight watch how much paper you you use, you know, don't print color copies, you know, the the things that we can do to help us save money.
2: Thank you so much for speaking with us. We appreciate your time.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Medicaid Director David Jellick with our Desiree Frazier. Republican House Speaker Philip Gunn tells MPB's Desiree Frazier he wants to see more savings from Medicaid.
3: The savings that they had in their presentation were less than .01%. It's about a $1 billion budget, and he presented $10 million in savings. While that sounds like a lot of money on a $1 billion budget, it's less than one hundredths of 1%. And so I wanted to see a listing of ideas that they've come forward with over the last five years to save costs, reduce costs, and ideas they would propose to move forward. So that's something I'm very interested in seeing we want to make sure that those costs are controlled.
2: As you listen to state agencies present uh, their budgets, what are you listening for?
3: Efficiencies. I think that's something we want to make sure that we squeeze efficiency out of every dollar. Are we getting results? We've implemented performance-based budgeting a few years ago. One of the things we said there was we want to not necessarily focus on what are are we buying, but what are we achieving? What are are we actually accomplishing? If we put dollars towards any state program, what is it actually accomplishing? And that's something we listen for is uh, are you being efficient with the dollars you have are you accomplishing something? Are you accomplishing the mission for which you exist as a state agency?
2: Mental health has a lot of concerns. We have an opioid crisis and the need for more treatment. How do you feel about expanding their budget, helping them with that issue? Well,
3: they didn't ask for their budget to be expanded. They, they said today that they have requested level funding, that they were able to accomplish their mission within the, the dollars that they currently have. So that's encouraging. Pleased with that. I think other agencies could probably do the same thing if, challenge to to take a close hard look at the way they spend their dollars.
2: You did express some concern for increases in employee contributions to PERS. Do you foresee that happening because that seemed to be something that you focused on in talking with them?
3: There's a confusing narrative out there and that's what I was trying to get to the bottom of. We on the one hand hear that everything's great with PERS. Everything is fine. Uh, There's no no cause for concern. Uh, I hear from other Sources that that's not the case. And so we're trying to get a handle on that. Is there a problem or is there not? And so my, I, I guess what I'm saying is if if everything's good and everything's rosy and everything's fine, then the agency or the fund ought to be able to move forward. If it's on sound financial footing, then everything is good, and there's no need to change. And so on the one hand, the statement was, well, We don't have any intent for asking an employer, increasing employer contribution, which sounds like everything's good, but when pressed to say, well, are you guaranteeing that moving forward, the answer I got was, well, no. Well, that indicates everything's not so good. So that's the confusing part I think we're trying to get a handle on. There's a narrative out there that we have plans to to do something. And I've said repeatedly, that's not on our agenda. We're not planning to do anything to touch PERS, touch benefits. That's not been something on our agenda. So I think there's a question there that that they need to answer. Either it's good and sound and great, or it's not. And we're just trying to figure out which one is it.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate y'all being here.
0: Republican House Speaker Philip Gunn with our Desiree Frazier. Coming up, an annual event to help Mississippi's veteran community. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilts Contrere, and today we're discussing general technology and how technology affects our everyday lives. So, Wilts, technology is all around us in our everyday lives, from when we wake up in the morning to when we go to bed at night. There's no way to get through your day without being impacted by technology in some way. Well, that's
5: true. From the moment we wake up, I mean, Yes, the alarm clock. We may not sometimes think about the technology behind that, but really the alarm clock is the first piece of technology we're interacting with during the day. For me, that's followed up by just using an electronic toothbrush. And what about that, those coffee pots? You know, How many people now wake up and the coffee's waiting on them? I know my wife sets hers the night before and it's just she wakes up to a nice fresh cup of coffee. So there's intelligence and technology that goes into that as well. So getting us going in the morning is is definitely technology-influenced. And then that moves on to the morning commute, say, going into work. I mean, what are we affected by in tech in that way? You've got the car that we hop into. Well, there are safety features, and there are safety features in the cars around us, thankfully, that are also influenced by technology, be it the more common, the low-tech, hey, it's got brakes and turn signals, or even the backup cameras and lane change alerts and all the other newer things that we're starting to see become more Common or standard features in these cars, so so now we're surrounded by technology just trying to get to the office. We all easily see where technology kind of comes in in the office too. you know, we walk on in there's a computer on the desk. You'd be hard pressed to say that technology has not changed how we go about our daily tasks or accomplish them. One thing that comes to mind is the accounting department at our office, you know. Back in the olden days, just a few years ago, they were sitting there over those green striped pieces of paper trying to work through journal entries and everything else. Well, now everything is digital and it can happen a lot faster. So we really see where that comes in for the office worker or even the factory worker out on the floor. Just, you know, robotics, uh, you know, nearby we have car manufacturers and everything else. So so that technology and that advancement is making it easier and quicker to accomplish these tasks that used to take hours or even days
4: So what we're saying is technology has allowed us to accomplish in minutes what would have taken all day.
5: You're absolutely right. It has helped us to accomplish many things that would have taken a lot longer. And in many instances, it's also helped us to accomplish those same tasks safer and more efficiently and more accurately technology has allowed a lot of people to work from home. They don't even have to go into an office, correct? Well, exactly, yes. You can actually through VPN technology and other ways to connect into office resources, you can actually work from your house. So you could be getting your daily job done while sitting there sipping a cup of coffee out of your coffee pot in your pajamas. And so getting us through the day with technology, you know, a lot of times we see that as as an office function, but really it goes back in the car that's when we go home. What about when you turn on the radio in the afternoon? Just Just some people listening to our broadcast today, you could be hearing this from the internet, you could be hearing it from the radio, you could be hearing it from satellite radio. So really even radio has changed just like television has changed in that we have streaming services now and you're getting more things on demand. So the technology is actually bringing us the news in a different way, be that in our commute or, or at the house. And then let's not forget, once you get home in the evening and you've made your way through dinner and you're finally relaxing and you're about to lay your head down, technology is there too. It could be that CPAP machine that is helping people with sleep apnea get a better night's sleep and a safer night's sleep. It could be the security system that you turn on in your house that makes sure that whenever you lay your head down at night, you can actually lay your head down at night with peace. And it could even be something as simple as that fire alarm or that carbon monoxide detector sitting in your home that makes sure that as you are sleeping that you and your family stay safe at night. So we can really see that from sunup to sundown, from the time we wake to the time we sleep, and even while we're asleep, technology is definitely there to help us, to make our jobs easier, to keep us safe, to keep our families safe. The thing we need to be mindful of, however, is that we use technology to enhance our experiences and our tasks and not replace the human aspect of what we're working to accomplish.
4: We will talk more about general technology and how it affects our everyday lives on the next Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition.
0: From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Homeless veterans in the Capital City area have access to help from the GV Sunny Montgomery VA. An annual count revealed there were at least 144 homeless veterans in Mississippi last year. The Medical Center's annual Stand Down for Homeless Veterans takes place annually, connecting this population with services. It's a one-day event when vets can get food, clothing, health screenings, counseling, and referrals to a variety of other necessary services, such as substance. Use treatment. This year's event was held Friday at the Salvation Army in Jackson. Stand downs are collaborative events between the VA, other government agencies, and community agencies serving the homeless. Heidi T- Candler is with the Jackson VA Medical Center. She tells MPB's Ezra Wall more about the event.
6: The stand down is an annual event that the homeless program at all the VAs across the United States participate in. The homeless program does this annual event. We usually do ours in August, but this year we decided to do it in September. But it's where we invite the community resources to come in and provide services to our homeless veterans. So it's a one-stop shop where veterans can come in and get personal hygiene items like toothpaste. They can get sleeping bags. They can get military jackets, boots, So hygiene items such as that. And they can also talk to community agencies such as the Social Security Administration. They can get information about jobs. We have Home Depot of Madison here. They can also get information about colleges. We have Heinz Community College invited. So these are the type of agencies that come to our stand down each year.
7: Who is eligible for the various services that are provided here?
6: any homeless veteran that's in our state is eligible to come and get the services here even if you're enrolled in our homeless program you still are considered a veteran that receives the homeless services so any homeless veteran they can come in and they can receive these services and get these personal hygiene items
7: In this instance, what constitutes someone being homeless? Is it just people who are living literally on the street, or are we talking about people who might be staying with friends or relatives?
6: Anybody who doesn't have permanent housing. So if you're house or couch surfing, rather, you don't have a permanent address, or if you're sleeping in your car or if you're in a motel, but after a while your money's going to run out and you won't be able to continue staying at the hotel, or if you're housed already but you've recently received an eviction notice.
7: Why is it important for these men and women to receive the services that are offered at the stand
6: It's important for the veterans to come and receive these services because a lot of our veterans that have been homeless or is currently homeless now, they can come and get information about employment, That will help them get on their feet. They have the Veterans Benefits Administration here. So if they've never received our services in the past, they can enroll in that. Or if they've had a claim that's been denied, they can check on their claim. Or if their claim is pending, they can check on that. So this is a good place to come and get a lot of the community resources that veterans need on a daily basis.
7: How do they get in touch with the VA to see what kind of benefits that they might qualify for?
6: They can call our homeless hotline or they can come to the VA hospital. Our homeless staff are housed on the third floor and we do have signs up and they'll tell you um, where our homeless staff are located so they can receive assistance at that time.
7: Is there a website that they can visit or, or do you know of like a national hotline that they can call?
6: We do have a national hotline that they can call. They can also go to our GV Sonny Montgomery webpage and get more information about our homeless program. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Thank you.
0: Lee Grimes is a Navy veteran. He tells MPB's Ezra Wall about the impact of service.
8: I volunteered to go to the Navy in 1972. I uh, stayed in three years, from 1972 to 1975. I was 16 years old, and I got out when I was 19 years old. Wow.
7: That's an event that really happened early and shaped your sort of early adult years and must have had a pretty lasting impact.
8: Yes, it really did on uh, I me. Mean, it had a lasting impact. Nowadays, you cannot go to the military unless you be done finish school. My mom co-signed for me, you know. uh, went in a boy, I came out a man at the age of 19.
7: What kind of experiences did you encounter while you were in the military?
8: Actually, I went in as aviation electronic. I was a flight captain on the flight line. And uh, when I got out, I was fascinated with planes and machinery. My first job, I got out when I was a repairman. And uh, I learned how to work around trucks and machinery, like got interested in cars and trucks. Where were you stationed when you were in? Millington, Tennessee. I was stationed overseas for a year on Agana, Guam. I did all of my sea duty on the
7: island. Mm-hmm. Tell me what your experience has been with the VA. How you came to be affiliated
8: with it and part of the program. The reason I'm here to stand down today is because they asked me to speak about my past. I was homeless, and I got before I was well. I was homeless and plus I was a addict and an alcoholic, and. I got into the program of Alcoholic Anonymous through the homeless program. My house got destroyed. I had a travel trailer, and they said I couldn't live in my travel trailer in the city limits. It was just city ordinance. So that opened the door for me to come to the homeless program. So they, you know, welcomed me and with open arms. I went to this place called the Harbour House for uh, 28 days. And I got cleaned. They actually cleaned me from the inside out. I went from the Harbor House to this place called Clearview. I mean, it's an awesome program to where they give me the tools to work with so that I can enjoy a sober life. I went from... Harbor House to Clearview. Now I'm at this place called Oak Arbor. It's an awesome facility. It's an extended treatment pro uh, program. You know, I got to follow the rules and regulations and everything. But hey, it's all good, man. They got me a job. I'm working and everything. I got a savings, man. I got a car. I am enjoying this thing called sobriety.
7: It's really opened a new way of life for you.
8: It has, man. How
7: long did you struggle with addiction issues before you found help?
8: How long, I struggled with it. Um, I was struggling with it before 2001. I guess I, I started early teenage age, and then I got introduced to the uh, program. And 2001, uh, that's when I uh, got my... VA ID card, and I started coming to the uh, VA for health reasons, because my health was deteriorating, and I continued to come, and they told me to get into the program to uh, try to clean myself up. I was cleaning sober for six years, three years, and then I relapsed, stayed out two years, went back in three years. I'm back in now. I'm back in for the long haul. There's nothing you can say or do to make me go back to my old old ways. What would you tell somebody
7: that's in your shoes, finds themselves a a veteran, maybe not even a career military person, but somebody who was in for a while, who went on to another another aspect of life, as you did, and then finds themselves in trouble and doesn't know where to turn? What would you tell that person?
8: I would tell that person to find the VA Medical Center here in Jackson, Gulfport. If they are a veteran, they can get help. It don't cost them nothing. And then they can look back on their past. The VA will help you, I'm talking about for, with a career, help you get a job, help you with your benefits. There is so many ways that the VA has helped me in
7: my life. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story with me today. Hopefully someone hears it and finds encouragement there. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
0: Find more information on veterans' benefits at va.gov. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long at 9, Deep South Dining at 10. It's Now You're Talking, and at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
1: Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC.